Hey everyone, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for following me and for listening to each and every one of these episodes and for leaving a five-star rating and dropping a comment. Thank you so much for that. If this is your first time connecting to this podcast because someone someone spoke to you about it, someone recommended it to you, or you just happened to stumble across it, <laughs> whatever it may be, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to connect with me, to listen, to learn, and to grow. I just want you to know that my greatest motivation is knowing that you are learning from this, growing from this, and that your life is actually changing. The easiest way to let me know what this is doing for you is by leaving a comment. They really bless me. I know you've heard me say it over and over, but they truly do bless my heart. Your comments are my fuel. They fuel my passion. And so I want to read one to you uh, today. This is from Carla Rodriguez 10. She says, such a blessing to listen to. It renders the comfort of God's mercy and love for us, his children. But it also reminds us that our Heavenly Father is just and requires us to be proactive about our faith. We worship a living God that requires us to act and to stand for our beliefs. Thank you so much for this podcast. For those of you who don't know, I am also the executive director of a private Christian school in South Texas. And uh, so we have little ones from uh, the age of two all the way through eighth grade. And so I am privileged to work with all these children and, and staff and families. Well, <laughs> the comment that I just read to you from Carla Rodriguez happens to be a parent at our school. And I'm privileged to uh, deliver her young son to her every afternoon after school to her car. And when I open the door to let him in, and I hear her listening to one of my episodes, boy, <laughs> it puts a smile on my face and it blesses my heart. If you have been listening to any of the episodes, you probably know that there is an underlying theme within them all. There's, there's a connector. There is a fine thread that unites pretty much everything. And it's the importance of renewing the mind. As I've mentioned previously, one of my favorite verses was written by the Apostle Paul. When he wrote to the Romans, he said, Don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. You see, I have been asked time and time again as a psychologist, is it possible that the mind can be rewired. Since we've been taught for decades that it is impossible, but let me tell you, it is possible. You can rewire the circuitry of your brain, and it's validated by what the scripture says in Romans 12:2, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, a lot of people when they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they hear the pastor pray a prayer and they repeat this prayer and perhaps the pastor goes on to quote a scripture that says, all of those who are in Christ are a new creation, all things passed away and the new has come. And he goes on to explain that everyone now has been given a new heart, that the slate has been erased and they're starting off a brand new. And if the new believer is not careful, they'll leave the church or the place of worship with an idea that they are new in every sense of the word. And in all reality, the newness has come in the heart. There is a new heart. There's a forgiveness of sin. However, the one thing that doesn't change, because God is a gentleman, and because we do have a free will, is the mind. The mind does not change just because we said a prayer just because we said yes to Jesus. You see, that's why Paul said, transform by the renewing of the mind. Solomon talks about it too. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Another translation says, where the mind goes, the man follows. You see, there are a lot of references about the mind in the scriptures. 
one of the things that you need to understand is that the rewiring of the mind, the renewing of the mind, is 100% up to you. It has nothing to do with other people. It has all to do with you wanting to live a different life. Let me go a little deeper. Neuroscientific research has proven that every moment of every day, whatever you think, becomes a physical reality in your brain and in your body, which affects your optimal mental and physical health. These thoughts collectively form your attitude, which is your state of mind, and it's your attitude and not your DNA. Listen, it is your attitude and not your DNA that determines much of the quality of your life. Scientifically, this is called epigenetics, and uh, if you if you try to find any spiritual uh, references, look at Deuteronomy 30:19. The Bible says, "I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your children may live." So, listen. The quality of your life is not determined by the organic food that you eat. Uh, it's not determined by the gym you attend, the workouts you do, the people you know, the books that you read, the car that you drive, the house that you live in. That does not determine. Listen, it does not determine the quality of your life. I know people who live in mansions and live miserable lives. Your life is determined by your thoughts. A while back, I shared a message on renewing the mind at a church in South Texas, and I wanted to share with you some of the uh, some of the principles, some of the nuggets uh, from that message that I believe will help you as you endeavor to grow and to become the best version of you. David went on to say in the Psalms, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and with everything that is within me, bless the Lord. Now, David was being persecuted. David was, was, was going through difficulty. David had lost some. David had his own men rebel against him. But he would wake up in the morning and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and with everything that is in me, I will bless the Lord. Sometimes you have to wake up in the morning and you have to tell yourself, bless the Lord, all my soul, and with everything that is within me, with regardless what comes my way, I will bless the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will. I will. It is a choice. You see, but we can get hyped up and pumped up during our worship set. You'll receive the word today and you'll get excited. And you'll walk out the double doors. You'll go on with your day with your week, and 72 hours later, it's gone. If you don't do anything with it, it's gone. Every day is a choice. Rejoicing is a choice. People tell me, you preach this a lot, Milton. I say, I do. They say, well, you have everything for you and nothing against you. Life has treated you well. And I take them back to my 34 years of age, which was a while back. (laughs) Don't laugh. I take them back to when I was 34, and I tell them I'll never forget saying goodnight to my wife, waking up at 5.30 in the morning and saying good morning and not getting a response, and repeating it again and again and again. And that day, right next to me, she went on to be with the Lord. See, my, my choice, my decision was to continue to rejoice to continue to be glad and not let anxiety or frustration or fear or sadness overcome me. And although we do go through a phase of mourning and grieving, but that phase should not last forever because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. It is a choice. We can't go on with the new day with old habits. If we take yesterday's habits into the new day, we will produce the same outcome. Because we are today what we thought yesterday and tomorrow, we will become whatever we're thinking about today. Let me say that again. Some of you have question marks on your faces, and that's okay. (laughs) If you bring 
old habits into the new day, you will produce the same outcome. You are today what you thought yesterday, and tomorrow you will become whatever you're thinking about today. Let, let me put it in a different way. If you always do what you've always done, and you always think what you've always thought, you will always get what you've always gotten. And you get pumped up and excited, and then you leave, and then tomorrow you start the same old, same old again. I know you were expecting a word of encouragement. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to wake you up today. Our foundational verse for today is Deuteronomy 30, 19. It's up on the screen. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose, everybody say life, life. so that you and your who? Children may live. And we can attach to that grandchildren. I have two. We can attach grandchildren. The Lord is saying, I've given you free will. You choose. I place before you life and death, blessings and cursings. You choose. What are you going to choose? He says, though, I suggest that you choose what? Life. life. So that you, not only you, but you and your offspring, you and your children may also live. Life is all about choices. You've got to choose. I want you to realize that we are a three-part being according to the scriptures. We're mind, we're body, and we're spirit. Today, I'm going to focus on the mind. There are a lot of things that hold us back, that keep us from moving forward, that keep us from getting from, to point B, where at point A, God says, I want to see you over here. Let me say this. Let me clarify this. God loves you right where you are at, but he doesn't want to see you stay there for the rest of your life. So don't get too comfortable because God is going to move you from point A to point B only if you're willing. He doesn't force you. He doesn't force you. There are things that hold us back, things that we have brought upon ourselves we call those things strongholds. A stronghold is a faulty pattern, a way of thinking. It's a mental construct. It's a faulty visualization of who we are, of who God is. It's a faulty visualization of his word. That is a stronghold. We open up the door and the enemy comes in and he forms a stronghold. Watch this. I'm going to prove to you that you and your life have some strongholds. They're called, in psychology, we call them mental paradigms. Fill in the blank for me this morning. Fill in the blank. You ready? Curiosity killed? Ignorance is? Knowledge is? All three statements are lies, but you knew the answer. All three statements are lies. Curiosity didn't kill the cat. Ignorance killed the cat. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty and eventually death. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. See, but you rehearsed all three of them and you believe them. Those are paradigms. Those are some of the things that you have to get rid of in order to get to point B. Pastor John shared a story, and I love it, about the, uh, the newlyweds that, had, uh, that were, the, the, the wife was cooking dinner for her husband. They were young. And she was fixing his favorite dinner, pot roast. And he took the, she took the roast, and before she put it in the pot, she cut off about half an inch off of each end, put it in the pot, and stuck it in the oven. Perplexed and bewildered, he looked at her and said, sweetheart, he says, why did you cut off the end? She says, I don't know. That's what the recipe calls for. Where'd you get the recipe? From my mother. I copied it, word for word. Well, there must be a secret to that. He, she says, I don't know what it is. Why don't you call your mom? She says, hey, mom. Says, what is it? Says, I'm fixing pot roast. Have a question. The recipe calls, calls for cutting off half of an inch off of each one of the ends. She starts laughing on the other end of the phone. She says, oh, sweetheart. She says, oh, goodness. She says, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I failed to explain it to you. She says, you see, your dad never bought me a pot big enough for the roast, so I always had to cut off the ends. <laughs> to make it fit, but sweetheart, when you got married, we gifted you the biggest pot, so you didn't have to do that. That's a paradigm. That's a faulty thought pattern. Had she not asked the question, she would have continued. Very quickly, I want to mention, I'm not going to focus on this today, but I want to mention three 
of the enemy's greatest weapons, and they're up on the screen. Three of the enemy's greatest weapons, number one is deception, number two is temptation, and number three are accusations. Those are the three greatest weapons that the enemy comes against you with. Deception, temptation, and accusations. And they all happen at what level? Do they happen in the level of the body? Do they happen in the spirit? Or do they happen in the mind? In the mind. Ignorance is not bliss. Remember, ignorance is poverty and eventually death. A stronghold is invisible yet powerful. They are in the mind. And if you've ever seen an iceberg, if you've ever seen an iceberg, I remember seeing an iceberg uh, from about uh, a quarter mile distance, and all I could see was the tip of the iceberg. And I remember the proverbial, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I remember seeing that thing thinking, well, it's not so big. It doesn't look so, so grand. Well, it doesn't. But what is big is what's underneath the water. 10% of the iceberg is on the tip. What's under the water is 90%. You see, we see people's attitudes. We see people's behavior, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. 90% of what is provoking that individual to react a certain way, to feel a certain way, to live a certain way, is the 90% that's under the water. And those are things that we usually... 99.99% of the time, we cannot see. We cannot see. And that's what we do as David did. We go before the Lord and we say, Lord, search my heart and put my thoughts to the, to the test. Because I can't see them. I don't know what is afflicting me because it's invisible yet powerful. And I tell people all the time, if you want to break the stronghold, the number one is you have to have revelation. Lord, reveal. What is that thing that's holding me back? So number, step number one, and it's probably up on the screen, number one is reveal. Reveal it, Lord. Search my heart. Put my thoughts to the test. Number two is repent. Father, forgive me for I have sinned against you. Number three is renew. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And number four is resist. James said, submit, submit to the Lord. Resist the enemy and he will Flee. Okay, four steps. I'm going to focus on number three. Solomon said, as a man thinks in his heart. See, these are filling the blanks that you should know. Not curiosity killed a cat. <laughs> For God so loved the, that he, his only. Okay, okay, we're making some progress. That's a basic one, right? Okay. <laughs> For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Another translation says, where the mind goes, the man follows. So you see, what you say and what you do are not random actions. They don't happen haphazardly, casually, or aimlessly. They have been preconceived and incubated in the very mind. And eventually, you give birth to those thoughts. And then they start to affect your body and your spirit. Actually, 80% proven by science, 80% of most physical diseases, things that people are battling with physically, are a product of a mindset. A lot of people today are suffering from cancer, diabetes, fibromyalgia, chronic arthritis, and all of these things. This is research. This is not pie in the sky. I'm telling you straight because I've read a lot and done some research Cortisol is the number one culprit. Has anyone ever heard of cortisol? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you older folks, God bless you, you get your cortisol checked every time you go to the doctor. Cortisol is something that we all have. Actually, there are people that are born without it. They don't produce and they need to take it. Like insulin. Cortisol is normal in our bodies. It's what causes the fight or flight reaction. It's what speeds up our heart when it needs to be sped up. But some people go from a level one stress to a two to a three. And the level three stress when your cortisol is peaking is when it starts to produce cancer, colon cancer, stomach cancer, diabetes, fibromyalgia, chronic arthritis, severe migraines, all these different diseases. And how does cortisol peak? Right here. We decide. 
When we fret, when we're anxious, when we're afraid, our cortisol elevates. And it causes all these physical issues on our body. So it all starts in the mind. So what we say and what we do aren't random actions. They're preconceived. So when you hear somebody say, I'm not sure why I said that, my answer is, yes, you are. When they say, well, I didn't mean to do that, my answer is, yes, you did. Or when they say the typical, the devil made me do it, I say, no, he didn't. You did. Don't blame it on the devil. He's not that powerful. He's overrated. Okay? He's overrated. The Bible says that the devil is a defeated foe. He's defeated. The Bible said, Jesus said, that we have power and authority over the enemy. So we've, he's overrated. So we blame it all on the devil. The devil's out to get me. Well, you must be up to something. <laughs> he just won't let me go. Well, there has to be a reason. But when you wake up in the morning and he turns the opposite direction because he doesn't want to mess with you because he knows that you're in the word, because you know that you're walking in his ways, because he knows that you're kingdom-minded, you are heaven-focused. Come on, he's not going to come against you. He's going to turn against you. He's going to go the opposite direction. He's going to go look for somebody who's weak, somebody who will fall for his evil schemes. A lot of people will say, uh, brother, would you pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. What's going on? Well, the, the, God is putting me to the test. Oh, really? What happened? Well, you see, last night I, I, I wrecked. You know, I, I, I crashed into another car. The other person, the driver's in the hospital, and I'm going to have to go to court. God is testing me. Okay, well, why did you crash? Well, you see, I, I was celebrating with my buddies. And what were you doing? Well, I, I was drinking, and I had a little too much to drink. Okay, so you were drunk. You were drunk, and then you crashed? Yes. And you're telling me that God is putting you to the test? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty and death. That is not a test. That's called a consequence. A test is when you're walking in his way, you're focused on him, and then all of a sudden something happens. Calamity comes into your life. I'm not saying that God is the producer of the affliction. But what I'm saying is that he will use the affliction to grow us, to extend us, and to amplify our faith. Okay? I want to make that very, very clear. That is a test. Job was tested. How many of you read Job? Job was tested. And what does Job say? See, I love what Job says because after he's lost his possessions, he's lost his family, he's lost his health. The only person he didn't lose was his You see, I still don't know. I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. What's the deal with that? I mean, it's okay if he had not lost his wife and she were a supportive wife. That's okay. And she would have gone up to Job and said, Jovito, pobrecito Jovito. But what did she do? She looked at this poor man that's scratching the boils on his body with a piece of clay pot in the desert sun while his three friends are telling him, Job, you really messed up, man. God is punishing you. And then the lady shows up. And what does she do? She looks at him and she says, oh, really? In that condition and you still worship God? Curse your God and die. That's why I was asked, okay, why did she stick around? You know, why was she still there? So God is allowing the enemy to put Job to the test. Does he pass the test? You know, he says something that's valuable. He said, my ears had heard, but now my eyes have seen. He says, you know, I had heard about this almighty, all-powerful Jehovah this I am, I had heard about him, I had only heard about him, but now my eyes have seen him. I have seen his glory, I have seen his power. And what did God do for Job at the very end? He gave him what? Double for his trouble. He gave him twice back because of what? His level of faithfulness. Whatever you're going through today, let me tell you something. You might be here thinking, I'm not going through anything. Life is good. Okay, well, get ready then. I'm not prophesying over your life. I don't have that gift of prophecy. I'm just telling you right now. 
I'm just straight shooter and I'm going to tell you, you're either going through affliction, you're coming out of affliction, or you're going into affliction, but you cannot escape affliction. Jesus said in this life, you will be afflicted. He said, but rejoice. I have what? Overcome the world. I've given you the victory. The difference between you and other people is how you respond to affliction. The difference between you and other people is how you react to affliction. That's the difference. You decide. But a lot of people make up excuses, right? And we say things like, well, I can't do what they do. You know, I, I can't be the athlete that person is because that girl, she's got good genes, right? She's not blue genes, good genes like DNA. She's got good genes, or we excuse ourselves by saying, I, I was just born this way. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. On, I was born on the wrong side of town. I was born this way. Or, or the, the, the one that I love the most and gets the most chuckles. I'm just big boned. What? <laughs> and I always ask them, have you ever seen a skeleton with big bones? <laughs> Never. They're all the same, by, you know, just FYI. Or the typical, it runs in my family. It just runs in my family. You know, those strongholds over time produce fear. And fear keeps us from moving forward. Now, fear broken down as an acronym makes a lot of sense. If we take, H, if we take each one of the letters in the word fear and we break it down as an acronym, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. That's the acronym. That's a good one. False evidence appearing real. It's something that you have believed over time, but it's not true. But yet you believe it. You believe that because grandpa died of a heart attack at an early age and because dad died of a heart attack, you too will also die from a heart attack. Or because grandma had diabetes and because mom is borderline diabetes, surely, surely you will also develop some form of diabetes. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23, out of the living, New Living Translation, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring, what? Life to those who find them. And what? Healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Basically, what this is saying is that if we focus on the word, if we believe the word, if we, if we chew on the word and regurgitate the word, and it's just going around and around in our hearts and our minds, eventually, it'll start to bring healing to our whole being. But we can't just pick and choose whatever verse we want to declare. That's called, in psychology, we call that mental dissonance or cognitive dissonance. Let me explain it. A lot of people will say, I'm getting ready for the marathon. I'm going to run the 26.2 miles. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run it. And you look at them and you go, you must be big boned. <laughs> because have you, have, you, have, you, have you ever run before? Well, no, but, but I'm trusting in the word that says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And a lot of people say amen to that. I wouldn't say amen to that. I, I can do all things through Christ to get me strength. That's called cognitive dissonance. It's saying one thing and doing a different thing causes brain damage and mental fog. True story. You can look at it, what happens under a functional MRI, what happens to the brain when you say something and you do a different thing. Or the people who say, you know what? God is the provider. His word says that my God shall provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus, but he won't get off of his butt and he doesn't want to work. You see, you can declare all you want. Affirmation and declaration without action is the beginning of insanity. By his stripes we are healed, but you believe it for someone else, but you don't believe it for you. It's easier to believe for someone else's healing than to believe for my own. Affirmation and declaration without action is the beginning of insanity. He says, God says in his word, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose what? Life that you and your children may live. Let me, let me move forward a little bit. 
there's a story in the Bible that I, that I, that I love, and it's the story of the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Now, how many years was she suffering with, uh, with a hemorrhage? Anyone? 12 years, okay? Now, if I ask a question, it's not because I forgot. I'm an educator, so I usually do that. So just pipe up, you know, say something. If you get it wrong, I won't turn to you. Don't worry about it. We won't. There's a woman in the Bible, and just because she's a woman, guys, I want you to listen to this because this can also be your case, whatever your affliction is today. I want you to pay close attention to what this woman did. This woman had been ill for 12 years, and she had been destitute by the Levitical law. The law said, because you're bleeding, you're what? Unclean. You can't be around people. She had to distance herself. If she had children, and the Bible really doesn't describe her whole uh, genealogy, it doesn't describe you know, her, or who she lived with or, or who her family was, it really doesn't give a big description. It just talks about the woman with the issue of blood, and it's, you know, the word makes a big deal about this woman's uh, testimony. She was destitute. She was isolated. We don't know. She left her children. She left her husband, left her parents. She was locked up basically by herself in a little room away from her family. And I imagine this woman laying on a cot. So you imagine, those of you here in the medical field, whether doctors, nurses, if you know anything about uh, anemia, this lady's anemia was bad. Her red blood cell count was probably at a four, needing a transfusion. Normal level is about a 12. She's about a four. She's dying. 12 years with a hemorrhage that wouldn't cease. She has no energy. If you've ever known anyone with leukemia, they will tell you that one of the things that they lack the most is what? Energy. So there was this woman, and she was laying there on a cot. She was ill. She had heard the word, the word meaning Jesus. The Bible says that faith comes by and hearing the Okay, so she had heard these people talk about outside her window... She had heard these people talk about Jesus uh, bringing back, you know, sight to the blind man, to Bartimaeus, to, to healing the paralytic, to raising up that little girl by saying, Talita kumi, little girl, rise up. She heard about, you know, Jesus freeing the demon possessed. She had heard of all of these things. She hadn't experienced Jesus. She hadn't seen Jesus, but she had heard about Jesus, the living word, Right? Faith comes by and hearing. Okay, so, so she heard, and as she heard, although her anemia wasn't changing, the word was rising up within her. What was increasing inside of her? Her level of what? Faith. So she started to hear the repetition over and over what Jesus was doing, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, don't you love God's suddenlies? Oh, God will just suddenly show up and do something in your life. So there she is, and then suddenly, suddenly, she heard that Jesus was coming through town. The crowd was following Jesus. Jesus was surrounded by a multitude of people, maybe a thousand people surrounding Jesus. And he was walking. They were following him around. They were watching him bring back the dead, heal the sick. Then all of a sudden, this woman looks through the, this is just my version, she looks through the window and she sees Jesus in the middle of the crowd and she had been telling herself one thing over and over and over and over. If only, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Okay, here goes a, a PowerPoint for you. Whatever you think about will grow. Now listen, whatever you think about repeatedly will grow. Whatever you're telling your children repeatedly will grow. This woman kept on telling herself, if only I could touch the hem of his garment. If only, if only, if only. And she'd been telling herself for who knows how long, and then all of a sudden she got up. She dragged herself in the midst of the multitude, trampled on, Dirt kicked in her face, but she went and she knew she was breaking the law. And she went all the way to where Jesus was. And you know the story? She stretched out her hand, touched the hem of his garment. Jesus stopped and he said, who? 
Who touched me? And his disciples said, serious, Lord, come on. There's thousands of people around you. Everybody's touching you. He said, uh-uh, people are touching me. Like, like, this is my version. Like people touch a rock star. Like people get their selfies with a rock star. But this woman, she went with a level of faith like no one's business. So he stops. He says, who touched me? Come on, Lord. And she says, from the ground, looking up, she says, Lord, it was I fearing that she had broken the Levitical law. And Jesus, he didn't turn and say, woman. He didn't turn and say, girl. He didn't turn and say, what are you doing? He said, before that, how did he address her? He said, my daughter. He didn't just say daughter. He said, my, my daughter. He said, my daughter. And I just imagined his compassion, his grace, his mercy. My daughter, your faith has healed you rise up. She repeated that one thing over and over, and she believed in her heart and in her mind. I'm going to give you four steps because I don't have a whole lot of time. I'm going to give you four steps. Now, you want to write this down because you can't only address the mind. You can't only address the body. You can't only address the spirit because we're a three-part being. You have to address all three in order for there to be transformation. Remember, when you came to Christ, your spirit was regenerated. But the regeneration of your mind is a choice that only you can make. You can choose today to say, I'm a believer. I came to Christ 5, 10, 12 years ago, or I did today, and I have a new heart. Well, glory to God. That's awesome. But you will continue to live in the same hole if you don't regenerate your mind. Don't conform to the world, he says, to the Romans. Paul says, don't conform to the world. Don't succumb to the patterns, to the trends. Don't be influenced by YouTubers and do what they're doing. That's my translation, okay? It's not in the Bible, of course. He says, but be transformed by the, okay, of your mind. All right, so let me give you four steps. Now, you heard my story at the beginning. I told you about 34 years of age and how I lost my wife. She went on to be with the Lord. Year, about a year later, I remarried. So I remarried, and I made a list. I made a list kind of like, uh, you know, kids make a list for Christmas. <laughs> I made a list. I said, Lord, and it was a long list, man, a long list. I said, these are the characteristics that I want in my wife. You said, <laughs> delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'm delighting myself in you, Lord. I want this. Yes. Hey, come on, you got to be specific, right? Come on. You've done it too. So then all of a sudden, uh, those suddenlies, right? I'm preaching at the church. I was the pastor over at the family church in McAllen for the Spanish service about seven years. I'm standing at the door saying goodbye to all the church members. And then all of a sudden, here comes this woman I'd never seen in my life. She was a visitor. And I said, hot dog, that's the one. <laughs> right there. I said, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know your name, but I'm about to find out. So when she came to me, I shook her hand and said, welcome to the church, sister. <laughs> True story. And I said, welcome to the church. And then I said something that no pastor should ever say. Can I ask you a question? I said, she said, absolutely. I said, single or married? <laughs> the rest is history. I want to share four things with you right now, and I don't have a whole lot of time, so I'm going to be kind of brief and quick. I prayed for a woman that would be extremely healthy, strong, athletic. I'm a runner. I run marathons. I wanted her to run with me. I wanted us to cycle together, to do sports together, go to the gym together, do a lot of things together to make an impact. But the first thing that I asked for was she would be a woman that would fear the Lord above all things, that she would love the Lord with all of her heart, mind, soul, and strength, that she would love me and that she would love my son as well, that she would accept us both. And, but, but there were a lot of physical features that I asked for, and he gave those to me. But I asked for strength, someone who was very healthy because I had been a caregiver for almost 16 years. And for 16 years, I had cared for my wife who was battling Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was really hard. And I said, I don't think I can do this again. So I want someone who's healthy. And that's exactly what he gave me. We ran together. We cycled together. We do things together. We're hiking together, doing a lot of really good things. Lord bless us with a child. 
So now I have a 27-year-old son and I also have a six-year-old son. Yes, I know. It's a 21-year difference. Save yourself the time. 21 years is what it is. You know. But two years ago, being a strong woman that she is and a very smart one, because I also asked for someone who is really, really smart. And so he, he gave me something that a little more than I had bargained for. She, yeah, really, really smart. And I said, you know, I want someone that we can have intellectual conversations with, you know, and that's what he gave me. But two years ago, she got up in the morning and she said to me, I'm feeling dizzy. And that dizziness just went increasing over time. And that dizziness didn't stop. And that dizziness incapacitated her. She became handicapped. From one day to the next, she was no longer able to drive, to walk, hardly speak. She couldn't read the word. She could only listen to it. And everything, she basically had to be isolated in a room with the lights off and heavily medicated, drugged up. We went to several doctors and all the doctors gave us the same response. This is what she has. She won't, uh, it's progressive, it's non-curable. Uh, it won't kill her, but depression will. And so she went from being a highly smart, highly healthy woman who loved life to not being able to do anything at all. To the point where she told me, you might want to look for a place where you can just drop me off and not have to deal with me. I don't want to be a burden to you and Daniel. But we didn't give up because we know the word. So we... We're very strategic about what we did. And here goes four steps of what we did. By the way, before I forget, today she runs, she rides her bike, she drives, she does everything. Praise the Lord. It was a two-year process. People now come to her with the same disease and say, how did you do it? Why is it that all the other ones are dying? Why is it that all the other ones are in, um, being uh, seen by a psychiatrist to deal with this? Why is it? Why is it you've been able to? She was very, we were very strategic. Number one, these are the four steps to detoxifying your mind. Why, listen, listen closely. Identify, number one. Whatever you're dealing with, identify. Step number one, bring all of your thoughts into the conscious awareness. You don't know what you don't know. This is what I always say. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, what's wrong? This hurts. Here's a pill. It's going to relieve the pain. But you don't know what you don't know. What's causing it? I don't know. Okay, let's run an MRI. Let's run a CAT scan. Let, let, let's do an x-ray. Let's do a sonogram. Let's find out what it is. You don't know what you don't know. Let's pinpoint the problem. Okay, let's pinpoint it. Is it physical? Is it spiritual? Is it mental? What is it? Let's deal with it. Number one, the Bible says in Psalm 30, 139, verse 23, look through me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. This is the verse that I shared earlier today. Uh, search my heart, O Lord, and put my thoughts to the test. We don't know what we don't know. We go into prayer time and we say, Father, I pray that you would reveal to me what it is that is causing this anxiety, what it is that is causing this, this fear, what it is that is causing this pain, what it is that is causing all of these different uh, reactions in my body or in my mind. What is it? Show me, Lord, and God is faithful to show you. The Holy Spirit will show you very clearly, almost painting a picture in your mind, but you have to be consistent about seeking. You have to be disciplined, purposeful. You have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. You can take a pill. And I'm not saying anything bad about going to doctors and taking pills. That's fine. I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is you have to find the root cause. Okay. 80 to 85% are all mental. Okay. Listen, number two, focus. So the first thing that my wife did was identify. We went to the doctor, ran a bunch of tests, went to doctors here, there, and everywhere. That sounded like Dr. Seuss, right? Here, there, and everywhere. But we found what it was. They gave it a name. Okay, now we have a name. Now we know where it comes from. Now we know what started this. Now we know. Okay, so good. So we identified it. Number two, focus. Focus means deep thought. 
Visualizations, reflection produces physical change in the brain. There's a concept, how many educators, raise your hand, how many educators? There's a concept called neuroplasticity, okay? Neuroplasticity means that the brain can create new thought patterns, can regenerate and heal itself. I, pray, I preached this message a couple months ago in McAllen. A young man came up to me, about 23 years of age. He looked at me, and he said, can I ask you questions? I said, sure. He said, can the damage uh, on the brain cells, the, the damage that has been caused by drugs, can the damage on the brain cells be reversed? And I said, what have you been told? He says, I've been told, no, it cannot be reversed. I said, they lied to you. It can be reversed, I said. It's proven by science, and it's proven by Scripture. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I said the mind can be renewed. And it's proven by science as well. So bring your thoughts into conscious awareness, number one. Number two, deep thought visualizations. If you walk around like you're sick all the time, and that's all you speak over your life, that is what will grow. Well, brother, how do you want me to go around saying that I'm healed of the Lord if, my, if I've got back pain and muscle pain and arthritis? Well, if you keep on declaring that, that's what you're going to get. You need to start to change that over time with different visualizations. You've identified the problem. Now you're going to change your phraseology. You're going to change your thought process, and you're going to stop declaring all that stuff over your life. The Word of God says... Philippians 4, 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one thing, one thing, he says, I say to you, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He doesn't say think about calamity. He doesn't say think about your disease. He doesn't say, don't, he doesn't say think about death. He says whatever's worthy of praise, whatever's lovely, whatever's good, whatever's noble, whatever's admirable, say it, think about these things things. Okay, number two. Coach John Wooden is one of my favorite coaches, and he would get, he was one of the most awarded coaches of all times in the United States. He would take his basketball team, and he would say, guys, we're going to practice today shooting hoops. We're going to shoot hoops, and they would look around the very first time, and they would say, where are the balls? He would say, we're not practicing with balls today. We're going to shoot hoops, and he would have them visualize bouncing, dribbling the ball, and shooting hoops. He says, if you can make it in your mind a thousand times, when you have a ball, you will, you know, eventually make it. So he was proven over time to be the best technique, and a lot of coaches took this technique and started doing it with their teams as well. Visualization. You've got to see yourself doing that one thing before you can actually do it. If you can't see yourself crossing the finish line of a marathon, you will never, ever cross it. Okay? All right. Number three. Number three is very important, extremely important. This is right, and I'm almost done. I know that I'm behind time a little bit here. Uh, right is, is, uh, is one of the most important things. In, in, in the brain, there is a thing called the corpus callosum that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. When we write things down, we say them and we write them, okay? There's a connection that happens between the corpus callosum and the two hemispheres, and it creates a long-lasting effect. It actually gets, it's almost like recorded in the brain. You write things down. What are you going to write down? Scripture. You're going to write down Scripture. You're going to pick out the Word of God that God has spoken to you, the promise He has given to you, what speaks to you the loudest. You're going to write it on an index card, and you're going to carry the Scripture in your, in your, in your, in your purse, ladies. You're going to carry it in your back pocket, guys. You're going to put it in your dashboard, on your mirror, in your closet, everywhere. You're going to inundate your mind with the Word of God because it's going to bring life, and it's going to bring healing to your whole body. So write it down. Okay. Proof. Where do we get proof? Habakkuk 2.2. The Lord gave me this answer. He said, write down clearly on tablets what I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. Okay? This is the same, same uh, prophet that God spoke to and said, though the promise may tarry, though the promise may linger, expect it because surely it will come to pass. Write it down. And number four, and my last one, and, and of course, if you go into my house, you'll see index cards all over the place where my wife has written each one of the scriptures that God has given her, and she rehearses, 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 and that's why she's running, and she's functioning, and she's doing all the things she, she used to do. And number four, the last one is rehearse and revisit. Rehearse and revisit. Good intentions aren't enough, okay? Good intentions aren't enough. Intentions coupled with 
Discipline and consistency is what's going to get you to the other side. Okay? Listen, three keys. Intentionality, discipline, and consistency. Listen, intention means that I can see it. Discipline means that I will start it. Consistency means that I'll keep it going. Okay? I can see myself leaving this place, you're thinking, right now I'm suffering from something. I can see myself doing what he's telling me to do, but that's good. You can see yourself doing it, but it doesn't stop there. Now you have to do it. So you take out the index cards, you identify what the problem is, and then you don't stop on day three. You continue doing it and doing it and doing it consistently. That's what's going to bring complete healing. The Bible says in James 1, through 24, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one ear and out of the other. Act, he says, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like the glance in the mirror. You walk away and two minutes later, you have no idea who you are and what you look like. So you've got to be consistent about this. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be consistent. You've got to have discipline. Amen? Amen. Keep in mind that a renewed mind in Christ, a renewed mind in Christ will produce long life transformation. Long life, not just a brief transformation. Well, there you have it. I hope you were able to identify important takeaways that you can apply to your life. The importance of renewing your mind. The importance of keeping your thoughts in sync with the Word of God. Bringing your thoughts captive to Christ. Making sure that uh, everything that you think and say is in alignment with His Word. Keep in mind that your thoughts produce words. And your words affect your emotions. Your emotions dictate your decisions. Your decisions become actions. Your actions, repeated over time, become your habits. Your habits eventually form your character, and your character leads you to your final destination in life. And it all started with a thought. That's how important your thought life is. Make sure to guard it. Keep in mind that you are one thought away from transformation. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Leave us a comment, a five-star rating. And if you haven't uh, subscribed to this podcast, would you consider doing so? We'll see you guys next time. God bless. Love you in Christ. <laughs>